Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. In our culture, we put a high value on simplicity and ease. In everything from using an app, heard somebody complain the other day, my bank's app is hard to use. Ordering a meal, running an errand, whatever it is, ease and convenience, that's why we call them convenience stores, are things we value. In the same way, the process of making disciples isn't complicated, but it's profoundly difficult. I began a series last Sunday talking about discipleship. That's, this, this is the second uh, message in that series. Last week, we pointed out that a disciple or apprentice, which is a good word, is a follower or a learner of a teacher. And that discipleship, then, is the process of devoting yourself to becoming like the one teaching you or like the one you're following. So today I want us to begin to consider the command of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. If you want to open your Bibles or pull out your phones, whatever, wherever you have your scriptures His command to make disciples, which is found 28, verses 18 through 20. And here's what it says. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, the context of this statement is the risen, risen from the dead, resurrected Jesus with his disciples, and these are his final words before his ascension, as recorded by Matthew. You have read, I'm going to guess, more than likely, you've read this before, I've read this many times before, and, and yet here's the question that keeps coming back, how do we go about making disciples. I want you to note three things in that passage. First of all, that we need to know, we need to know that all authority has been given to Jesus and that we're to baptize all kinds of people as disciples and we are to teach them to obey all the commands of Jesus. It's important to note in this passage that this wasn't to any one person. He wasn't looking at John or Peter or one of them and saying, you, but rather, if he had been Southern, he would have said, all y'all make disciples. All y'all make disciples. We're going to consider the corporate relationship we share at a next time, a later time, but 
Let me remind you, baptism is a reenacting of the good news of Jesus. Just as the Lord's Supper we shared is a reminder of the story of the good news of Jesus, so our baptisms are a reenacting of the good news, retelling of the good news story of Jesus. It is the first telling that any one of us has of telling the good news, and we do it without words. As you identify with Jesus, you die with him, the scriptures say, you are buried with him, the scriptures say, and you are risen with him. You want to look at that later, I'll send you to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and following. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and following, and Romans 6, verse 3 and following. You'll find that very thing. And therefore you are in Christ, and as Kent taught us several weeks ago, now remain in Christ, abide in Christ, stick with Christ. And also note in this passage that the command is not to teach all that I've commanded. Look at that again. It doesn't say teach all that I've commanded. If that's all it said, then all we would have to do is transmit the commands, instruct them. We could put up a website, publish ads, and call it a day. But the command is to teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. So, yes, we have to know what Jesus commanded. And if you're thinking that you'll just obey Jesus' commands on your own, then you don't know Jesus. It necessitates relationship. Let me point out to something. I was talking in a conversation this week, and somebody said, well, I'm working from home. Let me just tell you, Jesus didn't work from home. He didn't. He didn't stay, you know what? You know what, Father? I'm just going to stay up here with you and broadcast the good news remotely. We got the technology. They understood Bluetooth. <laughs> Here's the good news. Ooh, that's good. I don't understand microphones. Do not cup your hands around the microphone. We should practice that next time. I think I lost my point. The point is, <laughs> Jesus could have, but he actually couldn't have stayed and worked at home and broadcast the good news remotely. Because what does the story tell us? It tells us he came bodily, the incarnation, God in flesh. And he, it, it says it, he lived among us and he loved us to the point of death. And he lived out, he lived out what he commanded. He's the only one who ever has. And he led through a relationship with his disciples in how to keep his commands. Teaching to obey fundamentally requires Jesus. It requires Jesus' presence. That's why he tells us to remember he's with us always. One of, the, one of the things the supper reminds us is that he's with us. 
However, we have not kept his commands. We are sinners, deficient. We are unable, unable to obey Jesus' commands on our own. We just can't do it. But that was no surprise to Jesus, and that was no surprise to God. Then what does it mean to teach to obey? Well, it's the difference between being mentored by an expert and being given a manual. It's the difference between memorizing the rules and learning to play a sport. And God has given the church a mandate to make disciples. And as individuals, listen, as individuals, God has given us a church family for a context where we can be discipled. Discipleship is, a fund, is fundamentally a team sport activity. Yes, there's mentorship one-on-one, one-on-one, but there's also, we could also say it takes a village. It takes a community to disciple. Football, basketball, soccer, whatever it is, these are fundamentally team sports. And yes, in those team sports, there are individual players with star talent. But regardless, regardless of how talented any one individual player is, success of the team is dependent on the focused collaboration partnership of the team working together. If you've ever listened to Coach Gomez talk about his women's basketball team, he, he preaches this. And the same is true with discipleship. We have a mission. Our mission is to know Jesus and to make him known. And yes, we have some key players who are, maybe, maybe there's a key player who's strategic in your own personal growth in Jesus. But as we do life together as church family, we influence each other. And we cultivate relationship where we influence each other as we follow Jesus, a.k.a. discipleship. So what's the big focus? Well, here's my big focus this morning, that if Jesus commanded us to make disciples, what's preventing us from fulfilling the mandate? I mean, almost immediately, almost immediately we, we respond, well, I just don't know what to say. Well, I don't know who to disciple. Well, I don't know how to disciple because, well, I wasn't shown. But I think there's some deeper reasons. Let's look at the text again. Who is a disciple? Who is a disciple? A disciple is one who has been baptized into Jesus Christ and is learning to obey the commands of Jesus. Have you been baptized into Christ? The first step of trust, the first step of surrender the first step of dying to yourself and being remade by Jesus in Jesus is baptism. Are you learning to obey the commands of Jesus? Failure to learn and continue to grow in, in following Jesus and his people as they follow Jesus is another reason we don't make disciples. Well, I've been baptized. No, but that's not the end of it. There is a lifelong pursuit of obeying the commands of Jesus, of learning to obey the commands of Jesus. 
Do you believe? Let me ask you this question. Do you believe that Jesus has all authority? We sang it. Do we believe that he has all authority in heaven and on earth? Do, in other words, do you have confidence that Jesus has all authority in heaven, which means he has the power to reconcile. Listen, Jesus has the power to reconcile the enemies of God with God. That's what the story we reenact is all about, that Jesus has the power to reconcile, to bring together the enemies of God with God. And he also has all authority on earth. What does that mean? It means he has the power to reconcile the enemies of God with each other. So what does that look like, Jim, to make a disciple? Here's what Paul put it very simply. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I follow Jesus, or imitate me as I imitate Jesus. That's simple, Jim. It is. We like simple. What does that look like? Well, implicit, implicit in saying, follow me, is a transparency. A transparency that says, you can know where I will be, and you are welcome to be there. Are you leading a life that's transparent, where people can know where you are, and that they're welcome to be there with you. I mean, that, that plays out on all kinds of levels. But basically ask, are you leading a life that's transparent? There's, there's a group, guys who've met on Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. at different places. We've shut down several different businesses in town, so beware it's actually moved from days as well, but seven, about 7 a.m. we meet right now at Starbucks and West End at 7. And, uh, and, you know, that's pretty much any Wednesday. That's where I'm going to be, and you're welcome to be there. There's other guys that are there. Some have come, some have gone, but, and we just live life together. Think about your household. Happy Mother's Day. But it's mothers and fathers, parents. Yours is the God-given call and opportunity to disciple your children. If you have children, that's God's call. <laughs> Are you following Jesus in a way that encourages and attracts them to follow Jesus as they follow you? And are you partnering in the discipling that's going on in the family of Jesus, in the community of Jesus, in, in our children and student ministries? For preschool, that's Bible land. For elementary, that's journey land. For youth ministry, that's SPY, South Plains Youth, if you didn't know what that meant. And we have a university ministry for, for young adults of that age. There are a lot of opportunities here to be involved with one younger and one older. And I've not preached that recently, but here I am to engage with each other, to be discipled. So how does one come to be baptized? Well, first of all, you've got to be confident, believe, 
If you believe something, you're confident in it. I've, I've done it before. I brought a chair up here or a stool up here. And the question is, do you believe the stool will hold you? And you say, yes, I believe. Well, then sit on it. I'm not sitting on that stool. It might tip over. Then you're not confident. You don't believe in it. Are you confident that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the King? Are you? That's the first thing. If you are confident in that and confident in the good news that he came and lived and died and he has won the victory over sin and death, then baptism is your acceptance of, your submission to the kingship of Jesus, to live in the kingdom of Jesus, under the reign of Jesus, as we just sang, Lord, reign in me. You want to know more? Stick around. We'd love to talk with you more. There, If you're online, you can go online and submit a question. How do you learn to obey the commands of Jesus? Simple. Find one who is older in faith, who loves Jesus, and follow them. Well, Jim, how, where can you do that? You can do that in a small group. That's why we have small group ministry. You can do that in youth circle groups. That's why we have that ministry. We, you can do it within a class ministry, within service ministries. Any opportunity to engage in the life of the church family and learn to obey the commands of Jesus. Life on life, where relationships are cultivated and community is grown. That's the how. And as we get to know each other, we encourage each other to follow Jesus. Okay. Then how do we live by the power of Jesus? Because that's what, that's what it says. How do we live by the power of the authority of Jesus? In heaven and on earth. Obeying all that Jesus requires, the power of Jesus. Obeying all that Jesus commanded requires the power of Jesus. We can't do it. Let me remind you, what is the power of Jesus in heaven? It's the power to reconcile the enemies of God with God. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 8. Paul wrote, But God showed his great love for us. How did he show his love for us? By sending Christ to die for us, he didn't stay home. He sent him to us to live with us and to die for us so that while, while we were still sinners, enemies, and since, verse 9, we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ... He will certainly save us from God's condemnation, verse 10. For since, listen, for since our friendship with God was restored, since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. This is the power of Jesus in heaven. Reconciliation. Friendship with God was restored. 
what is the power of Jesus on earth? The power of Jesus on earth is to apply the good news that enables the enemies of God to reconcile with each other. Human relationships can be profoundly broken, profoundly distorted, and on some level they can even be evil. Jesus can take what is broken and distorted and mend the relationship. This is the power of Jesus on earth. It doesn't negate the proper role of civil authorities and their part in punishing evildoers or the general wisdom of the community. This reconciliation, however, is a peace and a Jesus-governed reconciliation that surpasses human capabilities. It doesn't need civil courts of law. Okay. I know, Jim, but this says all nations, all peoples. What's the impact of my little life, my little life, me? I'm talking about you, 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 me. What's the impact of my little life in the process of Jesus building his kingdom? After all, there are billions of people. All the nations. How do you start as a single congregation in a single city? Here's our typical thing. And I've even heard some of us preacher types say it. Well, you better go big or go home. I mean, if you're not ready to go big, then just go home. I'm going to repent of that. And say, go small. Go small and go home. This starts in the household. This starts in your home. This starts at a personal level, at a personal transformation through the existing relationships often found within your home, wherever your home is, and then from there goes out. Don't seek to go big until you start in your own heart, until you start in your own home, until you start in your own already existing relationships. God can accomplish profound things through the community of the church. And yet no single person, because we're bound by time and space, no single person can have infinite relationships. On an average, I understand a human can only maintain about 150 relationships across a lifespan. And it's difficult to have even several deep friendships. We are human. We are finite. God knows that, and that's okay. The world, seven billion is difficult to comprehend. Go small.
I've told you. Who's your one? Who's your one? It takes consistency and it takes a transformed life. Listen again to Paul, this time in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. And let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way you worship him. Give your, your body. Your body means your life. Give your life to him, all of you to him. Don't, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, and then you will learn to know God's will for you, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Okay, what does this look like in practice? To believe that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Well, I'll give you a personal illustration, not mine, <laughs> but the illustration of a person whose name was, well, his name was Saul. We usually talk about him being called Paul. In Acts chapter 9, there is a profound reconciliation taking place. Now, the story back up, because everything has a backstory, right? You back up into Acts chapter 8, and it really starts with this guy, this disciple of Jesus named Stephen. Stephen, who was living a transparent life within the community of Christ, declaring the truth of King Jesus. And if you, if you read there in the first verse of chapter 8, you'll find that this character Saul was there whenever Stephen was stoned to death for claiming to follow King Jesus. And it's in the next chapter, and he, was, he, was in, he wasn't there, oh my. He was there in full agreement, yes. It's in the next chapter, chapter 9, that Paul comes to know the person of Jesus Christ and is changed. And three years later, the transformed Paul returns back to the church in Jerusalem, Acts 9, verse 26. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the other disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't believe that he had truly become a disciple of Jesus. Then Barnabas, verse 27, brought him to the apostles, those who had been sent, and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. And he also told him that Saul had preached boldly, proclaimed boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. And so, look at this, verse 28. Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Here, here's discipleship of a transformed life. And Paul becomes part of the church family there through a deep and profound reconciliation of enemies. Did you see it? First of all, in early chapter 9, Paul, Saul, is reconciled with the God of heaven, with Jesus, who he had been rebelling against and persecuting. That's what Jesus said when he talked. He said, why have you been persecuting me? He'd been rebelling against Jesus by the way he had been treating followers. And so there's this profound reconciliation with God through his faith in Jesus as the Messiah, the King. And then what you see in the last part of chapter 9 is this profound reconciliation of the enemies 
of God being brought together. Paul, Saul, and the apostles. Profound, and yet it's just the normal thing when you're following Jesus. It's simple. It's simple. But it's not easy to make disciples. First, you have to be a disciple to make disciples. If you believe, if you have been baptized, if you are being discipled and learning to obey all that Jesus commanded, but you, you can't help but make a disciple of the other people in your life. You're already influencing people in, in your life today. The question is, what are you influencing them towards? Are you following Jesus in a way that influences others to follow him? If you have experienced the reconciliation of Jesus, how can you not share that with others in your life, including, including your enemies? In fact, here's the truth. Don't leave without this truth. Jesus started with his enemies. Us. While we were still sinners, rebellious, rebellers against God, rebels against God and his way of life. Are you at odds with God today? The big message is he loves you. And he's done everything he can to have a relationship with you. And he invites you into his life. Do you believe Jesus has the authority and power to rescue you? To reconcile you with God? Then you too can be part of God's family. Any of us would be happy to share that with you. There will be some of us down here. Some of our elders, Joel and Kern, along with myself. Charles up in the balcony and Bob Terhoon in the south uh, foyer in the prayer room there. We would love to share that with you. And we're going to be here right after we celebrate in song what God has done for us, making us part of his family as we stand together and sing. Thanks for listening. To stay up to date on news and other events, visit southplains.org. We also extend special thanks to our countless volunteers who make all of our ministries possible. And remember, engage, lead, and celebrate others.